Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brant Bernard, Mike Molina, and Ralph Toy Basham, MD the Hackmaster. Well, we're going to be talking the FCC. We're going to be talking George Carlin. We're going to be talking to Ian Punnett right after this. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Running over the same old ground. We are back, Tom Bernardo, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Ralph Basham in studio, along with Mike Molina, Andy Bernard on the phone, Ian Punnett, ladies and gentlemen. Ian, you're going to become a regular, which I, I love. Yeah. I, I, I love I guess that. Not, does it mean I'm not a dirtbag? Nah, yeah, that's true. I, was, I like dirtbag. I get the endorsement? You, 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 you do don't get the endorse people who are dirtbags. I do not endorse people who are dirtbags. You just did hear the <laughs> Michael Bryant. I... Uh, you know, because of our our um, conversation last week, and we're going to get to uh, the FCC and George Carlin, of course, we're talking about that. And if anybody else has any questions, certainly uh, join in in the studio here. But because of my conversation with you, a number of things came up in my brain over the years. And I didn't use any names, but I talked about it this morning on the KQ Morning Show, and I talked about it on this show already, as a matter of fact. Um, without naming any names, I, I talked... We we had talked before about, uh, you know, people who are very successful and they worked very, very hard. They worked long yeah. hours. They put themselves out on the line and all the rest of it. But some of them will not admit they also got lucky. And it got me yeah. thinking about a number of different things. 
that you, admitting that luck element is very, very hard for people yeah. to do. But I very easily and very quickly say, oh, God, did I ever get lucky. There are three people, and this, this, this stemmed from my conversation that I had with you last week. And I, I don't want to name the people because it's kind of no, you know, getting inside their head. But there are three people that I used to be not really close friends with, but friends with. And I don't talk to them anymore. They don't call me anymore. And I, I have not been able to get a hold of them and all the rest of it. And I often wondered why that is because they're very, very talented people. And this is the way I put it this morning. Uh, all three people have certainly as much talent as I have. Okay? One of them yep. has, has more talent than I have. But none of the three of them ever gained as much, um, I guess, you know, popularity, or their show never got anywhere near as big as the KQ Morning Show got. And it got me to thinking about that, is that it's that luck. They never – they worked as hard as I did. They were as smart or smarter than I am. There's no doubt about that. They had everything that it took, but they never got that lucky break to, to get on a show that broke huge. Um, but what's luck? How are you defining luck? Well, I, I was in the. For me, it was that situation. I was sitting in New York at our house at 20th Street and 2nd Avenue. I was doing voiceover, doing very, very well. And, and Catherine called and said, We're going to have a baby. And I said, Oh, I don't know about raising a baby in New York City. Uh, uh, let me think about it. I, I put the phone down. That, that was back in the days when phones were on a cradle, uh, yeah. desk phones. And the second that I put it back down, the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was Dave Hamilton, and he said, do you have any interest in getting back into radio? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we'll we have an opening at KQRS in the morning, and, and if you would just commit to doing six months, I could really use your help just if you'd come back and commit to doing six months on the morning show. Um, I'd love to have you come back. And but I how's said, that luck? Well, here comes the lucky part. So I do come okay. back. Now, you remember, I've been living in New York City, so... Uh, right. The Minnesota nice part on the radio was not happening in New York City at that time. <laughs> so that was one lucky part as I'd been listening to New York radio. So I get back to right. Minneapolis and, uh, and St. Paul, obviously, Minneapolis-St. Paul. And I get on the radio, and I'm doing radio the way that I've been listening to radio for the last several years, you know, in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and all the rest of it. And people went berserk because I didn't suck up to the teams. An example I use is on the way to the airport, um, I was listening to talk radio in New York, and the callers were calling and going, yeah, let me tell you something. The Yankees suck. The Yankees are not that good. They're okay. Yeah, they'll probably win the American League, but they're never going to win a World Series. The Yankees suck, right? So, yeah, they'll probably win the American League. I land in Minneapolis, St. Paul Airport, MSP, and I get in a cab, and I'm headed home, and I'm listening to talk radio at WCCO, as a matter of fact, carry the Twins. And these callers were all calling in going, oh, yeah, the Twins, are, they're great. They're going to be really, really good. I bet you, to tell you the truth, I bet you they might come in third or fourth in their division. They're going to be a great team. <laughs> and I thought to myself. That's great Midwestern humility. <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> and I thought, my God, this is. So I got on, on the air on KQRS, and I started blasting the Twins, saying they sucked and they needed to get a lot better and they needed to spend some money on the team. And I'm ripping into people, and, and it's something they'd never heard before in, in, the, on, uh, in Minnesota radio. I don't think anywhere in the Midwest, to tell you the truth. And okay. So, so well, it's totally different. Still? I'm waiting for the lucky part. The lucky part comes here. 
So the general manager goes to Dave Hamilton, the program director, and he said, everyone hates him. we got to get rid of him. God, they just hate him. And Dave said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we wait until the first book comes out? And, you know, if, if he doesn't move the chart, move the number at all, move the needle at all, then we'll, we'll fire him. We'll get rid of him. Okay. He, he won't stay right. in six months. So the general manager said, okay, but um, seriously, people hate him. So right. the book comes out, and we went from a 5 share to a 9.5 share, almost doubled the ratings in the morning. That's the luck part. Because Dave Hamilton what? said, well, because Hamilton said, Wait, no, no. What the fuck? Well, no, I disagree. That's not luck. That's not luck. Well, it's support. That's, it's luck. You could say Arbitron, you got lucky because the right paper diaries back in that day yeah. ended up in the right households. You could make an argument for luck that way but it's it's not luck when preparation meets opportunity well i understand that but but how did i know that it was the right time for minnesota to hear something like that because you were prepared you you had instinct because you're a professional because you thought what the heck I, i could go on the air and i could do I could do what other people are doing, or I could roll the bones, be myself, and hope that it catches on because nobody else is doing it. But that's not luck. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think that luck would be like if somebody died and they had a microphone and they go, you do the show. And they do the mic and you suddenly... Was that That's your dead guy luck. impression? I like your dead guy impression. Ralph, you had a question? Yeah, I, <laughs> well, dying. No, no, but I, yeah, I call it luck. No, I'm going to call it luck because, um, or, you, or you can say, you know, depending on religious beliefs, some people say divine intervention. Some people say luck. Some people will no, say happenstance. No, because the laws of nature were not suspended. The laws of nature—that's well, divine intervention. But they came but in. They came together in a certain way. Tom heard got news yeah. that his wife was pregnant. He had made the decision to move back to Minneapolis, and the call came to come back to Minneapolis to work. Many things came together, which were luck. You know, I, I so I kind of okay. went. I, I kind of went. I think we're calling something luck. We're calling it luck, and maybe we want to just broaden the definition of luck to say good fortune. He had the good fortune of being smart enough to make a good decision. Okay, but that's not luck to me. Luck is when you know you you are. It it makes no rational sense that something would work. This makes every sense. This follows actually good programming ideals. And and if we look at the pattern in Minnesota, and remember. I love Minnesota, but there's a reason why outsiders politically tend to do well in Minnesota, right? Wellstone wasn't from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Oldman right. wasn't from Minnesota. Minnesotans, by nature, are more like the, oh, I don't know if I agree quite with what you say there. I think I might, right? I mean, there's a little bit. It's <laughs> a hell of an impression, Ian. <laughs> and so, right, but somebody can come in from the outside, cut through that crap, and and the and the feeling behind them is yeah what that guy said and so that I think there's an appeal to an outsider's bluntness amongst the Minnesota passive aggressivity. Mm, I like and that. And I think that's a, that there's a downside to Minnesota's passive aggressivity, and that's it. By the way, I love the fact that Dr. Ralph Basham. I'm not, do you, do you know Ian at all, Doctor? No, I don't. No. Well, the reason I, the reason I bring it up is because you brought up divine intervention, and Ian Punnett is an Episcopal deacon. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that worked out really well. But, See, now yeah. that was kind of lucky, wasn't it? That was luck bringing that, up that the was fine luck. in your back. <laughs> 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 well, if we run everything out to luck, then fine. But the, the, I, used to have these, I used to have these friends from Japan um, in uh, when my son was first born. And so they were they were a couple from Japan, and they were living in the neighborhood. And the wife would always say, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. Oh, and I'd yeah. be like, what? And everything was luck. Right. And I understand, like, some people can look at it that way, and for her, everything was luck. Yep. But I don't think of it that way. I do think luck can come into it in terms of probabilities, but I don't think anything about your success or anything about the fact that you made the most of every opportunity, I don't think that's luck. I think that's perseverance, and the odds are in your favor that if you keep persevering, good things will happen. I like that. And you made a smart decision to come back to Minnesota. It's one of the reasons, by the way, I mean, you don't know this because don't, we don't really know each other that way. It's why I moved to Minnesota. I was living in Atlanta. Our kids were coming up on middle school, and my wife is saying, I don't want to raise our kids in Atlanta in middle school. The middle schools sunk oh, in our there area. There you go. And, and Minnesota had great public schools. And more than that, I like the fact that the sidewalks connected in St. Paul. Sure. And then the opportunity came up with Hubbard, and I was smart enough to say yes. <laughs> and I came to my wife, and I said, hey, they're asking me again if I want to do something. And she's like, take it. Let's go. And she loved the science museum. She'd read about the science museum and some parenting magazine. She'd sure. never been to Minnesota. Uh -huh. So is that luck? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's just – I think there's, just, there's a unique quality to Minnesota media, particularly where they like outspoken people. They do now. They they didn't back in the day. I'll tell you that. Uh, except you for, taught him. Except for a guy like Dave Moore. What Dave Moore? I don't know if he was outspoken or not. He was just a very very good news anchor. He was really yeah. good, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, you know Don Shelby, Paul Majors. There. I would say this, and, and see if you agree with this, Ian. And I swear to God, this will be the second hour that I haven't gotten around to the, the subject yet. <laughs> <laughs> that Ian wanted to talk about in the first place. But when I get Ian on the phone, it's a whole different world. Whatever you want to talk about. It's, it's your nickel, man. I don't care. Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, for some reason, and I'm very serious, I've lived in Chicago. I've spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I've lived in New York City. I think far and away, the TV news is better in Minnesota than it is in any of those cities. It, oh, yeah. Fantastic news anchors. Both the Majors brothers, Ron and Paul, uh, you know, Don Shelby, fantastic. Right. Uh, look, Frank Vassalero right now. I can't throw Passolt in there. I'm too close to it. You know. No, no. Vassalero is <laughs> excellent. You know, and, and, and all these guys are good. And, and some, of them are, some of them are outsiders as mm -hmm. opposed to Minnesotans. But I can tell you something I know from Hubbard on the TV side is that they, their research showed that people from Minnesota on television mm -hmm. immediately did better in the ratings than yeah. people who were, had yeah. to pick up the learning curve from the outside. I but I don't that. think that's true in radio. No. Yeah. You might be right about that. Yeah, that that's a possibility. Because I, I think they looked at me as an outsider. Even though I was born and raised in Minnesota, they didn't know that. And and they, I think they thought I was you some sound New York. Like one. No, I didn't. It certainly didn't sound like a Minnesotan. So I think they thought I was some New York guy, some smart right. ass coming in there, uh, you know, ripping everything about their lives he could get his hands right. on. I guess you work right. 
And so, like, that's where I think that's the opportunity. And your preparation met that opportunity. And when you compare that with other people, I mean, I, too, have known a lot of people that I consider to be very talented. I think a lot of it was about ambition. Yes, and some people, that's true. unlike what you did, aren't willing to pull up stakes and move to go meet opportunity. They want opportunity to come to them, mm-hmm. and that may be one of the reasons why they don't have ultimately the same amount of success. You know, it's funny. My son, who's on the show with us, uh, said earlier that he's a he's a Type C personality, and I, I don't know that. <laughs> and I'm a Type A personality. I mean, we talked about that just in the last hour, as a matter of fact. When I was 25 years old, and I don't know why I thought I could do this, I have no idea. At 25 years old, I decided I was going to become a voiceover guy, and I was going to make it really big in the voiceover business, and I had no reason to think that. I suppose it's, you know, lots of people have nice voices. That's that's not what a voiceover guy is. But I just, for some reason, I got on airplanes and started flying to Chicago and Los Angeles and New York and doing voiceover, and it became a great business. I don't know. I don't know where where that came from. Yeah. It might be mental illness. Who knows? But I No, no. I think that's that's ambition. And I I think think that's where, again, it comes back down to you were willing to go to the opportunity, and you were willing to seek opportunity where other people would wait for opportunity to come to them. Ladies and gentlemen, the anniversary of the SEC decision. George Carlin, Ian Punnett with us. We'll talk about it next Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds, they're going fast. Unlike any other weight loss program, Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a free informational dinner where you too can learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner. It's Tuesday, April 3rd, 6 p.m. at Jake's City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited, so call 763-333-7337 now to register. That's 763-333-7337. We are back, Tom Bernard Show. Mike Molina and Dr. Basham, Andy in studio, Ian punted on the phone, uh, Ian back, because uh, it's one of those situations, you know, whether it's Dave Schrader or it's Ian Punnett or somebody like that, I do get distracted because I talk about things. Well, I, I, I loved last week's show. I absolutely loved that Are show. we going to find who killed Uncle Augie? Uh, you know what? I, I, you know, I loved your take on that whole deal. And, and you know, getting Mishki involved is probably a great idea, too. Ten parts. Ten part series. Ten part podcast. 
Why did somebody kill my Uncle Augie? I love that. Michael yeah. Bryant, the uh, attorney, uh, he, he sent me a, a text message after that, and he said, I loved that hour. It was some of the best radio I'd ever heard in my entire life, and I love your take on the grandfather clocks. I think that stuff fascinates cool? people. That is cool. That is very, very cool. That was cool. So I will bring so, up three things. Yeah, uh, to that. name George Carlin, the FCC decision, and I was sent a description of the conversation, but I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to say a word about it. I just want to hear your take on it, what it means, what it was all about then, and what it's all about sure. now. now. How interesting. So how, how much of an impact does it have on your daily show production? Um, the idea that you can't, there's certain words you can't say and certain ideas you can't express on the radio. What's interesting is, is if you go by the seven uh, words you can never say on TV, uh, we do say some of them on the radio and have for a long, long time. Um, there are words, you know, there are words, actually one of the words on that, 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 that seven words you can never say list came up last week on the radio on the show because um, the C word that's on that well one of the two C words that are on that list is how you say <laughs> child in, in Afrikaan and oh, interesting. and somebody used the word on the show well it wasn't somebody it was Joel McHale uh, hmm. Joel McHale was talking to Michelle he's Tafoya great. he's phenomenal he was talking to Michelle Tafoya and I said uh, tell her the word for uh, the African word for child, and he said the word, and it's one of the seven words you can't say, except it's spelled with a K, not a C, and it doesn't mean anywhere near the same thing. So uh, my first question for you would be, is that one of the words? Because it means child in Afrikaan. It means something totally different in English. Yeah. I was trying to find what you're talking about the last time you brought this up, and I couldn't. Yeah, it's, a, it, okay. it, it's like... So, let, first of all, after you, after you revived Michelle Tafoya, what did she have to say? It was unbelievable. <laughs> she, honestly, she was floored by the whole thing. I bet she was. Uh, um, so, here, look, here's the deal. This is why I asked, because we're on a podcast right now. There is no regulation to this, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yep, and, and, and it uh, does not... We can it goes say... On, it goes on radio stations around the state of Minnesota, but it's edited before it goes on the radio stations. Okay, so we could technically say... So I'll save you the editing by not saying any of these words. But let's just talk about what this means. And here's what it means. In We're celebrating the 40th... Celebrating. We're observing the 40th anniversary of a very famous court ruling this year that affected broadcasters across the country. I've studied this as part of what I did when I went back to get my PhD. It's more out of curiosity than anything else, but I also, I frequently end up teaching media law classes, although I'm not a lawyer. Um, we teach it from the standpoint, like you have experienced it, like I know many other broadcasters do, where you have to be sort of regularly apprised of what the rules are so that you don't get your station fined. So I kind of teach it from that standpoint of how not to get sued. Mm -hmm. So not being a lawyer, I study it from an outside perspective, and I am aghast at really the ridiculousness of this decision from 40 years ago, uh, what's called the FCC versus Pacifica Foundation. Pacifica Foundation was the not-for-profit uh, community radio station in New York and Long Island that aired um, the not the original 
class clown for older people they'll remember that there was a difference in the on the album class clown there was the bit the seven dirty words you can't say on television then what happened was over the course of that year so many people came up to carlin were giving him different words and saying what about this word what about that word that he did a follow-up to that and it was called filthy words and it was on the occupation fool album so they played the occupation fool version um on the air on a radio station at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday on an adult, um, non-commercial, community, boring talk radio station where <laughs> you can't even imagine like how obscure a radio station this was, right? They played it because they were talking about the arbitrariness of words and they were talking about how government interference with ideas was bad. And he, the, the host of the show said, you know what? It's like this George Carlin bit. I'm going to play it. Um, and he played it with impunity because the FCC, when it was chartered, was prevented from getting into content. The FCC, until 1978, was really? just the traffic cop for broadcast communications. Right? I did told not, you I didn't know want, oh yeah it was it's in the charter the communications act of 1934 explicitly says they are forbidden from touching content and content was left up to community standards now it didn't mean that there hadn't been occasional dust-ups here or there where somebody tried something on radio and, you know the FCC could push back and what would happen was is that if somebody sent a bunch of letters it could go into somebody's what do we call it? The public file, right? And the radio station would have a public file, and when it, when their license came up for renewal, that's when the FCC could act. And they could say, look, you got seven flags here from the community. They're, they're furious with you. This looks bad. We're going to put your license on suspension. And that's what a radio station risked. It wasn't the FCC breathing down their neck, waiting for tapes to arrive in the mail, and what happened the day before. That had never happened. And what this all came about from was one guy sent a letter to the FCC in 1976 taunting them. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it was 76, taunting them that, hey, I listened to this bit where he played the whole thing of making fun of the FCC and the things you're not supposed to say on the radio. I thought you guys were supposed to be in control of that. That was it. There was no mass uprising in the community. There were no complaints logged at the station. There were no letters sent to the radio station objecting. It was one guy sent a letter to the FCC, and the FCC sent a letter to the radio station going, what about this? And they said, oh, well, that was from George Carlin, who's a well-known satirist. Satire is covered by the First Amendment. And yeah, we played it. And the FCC wrote back and said, we're, bringing, we're putting you on notice. And this begins the march to the Supreme Court. But interestingly, until they got to the Supreme Court, the FCC lost every decision along the way. Really? Yeah, because the federal appeals court, the, the, the radio station went to a federal appeals court after the FCC said, we're putting you on notice. And the radio station went to the appeals court and said, uh, like a ruling on this, and they, they, they cited in, in favor of the radio station. So how did it ever said, advance? Nope. How did it advance as far as it did? Because the FCC went right to the Supreme Court, and oh, they got a 5-4 oh. split. Pacifica Foundation was decided on a 5-4 to four majority, and the dissenting opinion 
was all about free speech. It was, what are you doing? How are you going to get into the middle of deciding what words people can say or not say? And isn't this just a matter of, and this is a really interesting word from the dissent, the lead dissenting um, opinion came from uh, Justice Brennan, who said, William Brennan said, this is about majoritarian convention. You know, this is about the majority of society deciding what the minority can say. Right. And that's, that's not the point of the First Amendment, to protect the majority from having to hear views of the minority. And he was saying, people talk like this all the time. You know, and leave it, basically they were saying, which is ironic because it was a, it ended up being sort of a conservative decision, is the minority opinion was saying, leave it up to the free market to decide. That's interesting. The free market of ideas and, and also advertisers. Yeah, well, see, that's what, and, that, that was my next question to you, is the advertisers pretty much would make that decision, I would think. but Exactly. That... Exactly. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Chick-fil-A will not advertise on certain radio stations, right? Because right. it doesn't fit their image. Right. And whatever. And Chevrolet can decide what they do or don't do. And no, you know, this was about radio stations actually talking to the community in an adult manner. And what it did was it infantilized radio and suddenly everything had to be geared on whether or not a seven-year-old could hear it that's preposterous in a free society right it's unworkable and it's hurt radio it's hurt television it opened up every other avenue for people to do you know cable television came on and suddenly broadcast tv is going that's not fair they get to swear (laughs) well yeah can we just go back in time just a little bit why can't we swear they swear can we just go back in time a little bit ian wouldn't uh when did what was driving the censorship in the forties and fifties on TV? Was that that, that was the threat of there having? There wasn't any. Well, there was censorship. And there, there was, was none. There was no censorship. It was there was fear of maybe. I mean, not in not in the same way that we talk about censorship now. Like the the fear of a nipple is just irrational fear. There's just like the idea that there was a, a there was a great case and i cited it in this paper i just wrote so i am i'm presenting on this again this year but a couple years ago i presented a paper on this in in japan at a free speech forum and people were just stunned at like some of the trivialness of all of this but in this case uh, a pbs station canceled a documentary because it had in the background some etchings of a half-naked woman and they were afraid that that would get them an fcc flag um a lot of TV stations, like I think Channel 5, got to give props to my old Hubbard peeps, they did, they ran the Castillo tape unedited at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. right? Because that's in the, in the, in the, the de- you know, the, the window of indecency or the safe harbor. And they were allowed to do that. And they said, this is what got, this is exactly what happened. After this, you have to go see it on our website. But we're not going to edit it. We're going to show it to you. And that's exactly what that's what the news is supposed to be. That's what journalism is supposed to be. The unflinching look at what our government and the agents of our government are doing. That's why it's there. It's to always hold a mirror up to government. And this idea that somehow President Trump can use the F word or Scaramucci can use the F word or any of these other people can say the F word, but TV has to bleep it out. That means that television has to sanitize our public leaders. They get to they get a do over on TV, and I think that's wrong. Yeah, well, Joe Biden said this is a big effing deal to to uh, Obamacare. Remember that? 
Uh, yep. And, 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 and he should have been right. And if he said that, then and if there was pushback for it, let him get pushback for it. But don't edit it from television. Right. I mean, don't. This isn't. Kids aren't. I mean, and we all know the ratings. How this? How preposterous it, the idea is that somehow. There were a bunch of children who were sitting around waiting for every talk radio show at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. It just doesn't happen. And if there are kids nearby, it's because they're with their parents, and that's what mom's listening to, and then that's her responsibility to turn it off. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, what Ralph was talking about earlier, were they the mores of society? They didn't do it because they just didn't think it was the right thing to do. That's why there was no swearing at all. Now, what, whose idea was it to, because uh, I remember watching the Dick Van Dyke show, and everybody, uh, mom slept in a twin bed, and dad slept in a twin bed. They never slept right. in the same bed. Right. Who, whose idea was that? That's a carryover from the movies. So this became, this is an interesting, so this that was inherited from a decency code that got installed in movies. Um, yes, I remember And that, there yes. had been this, that, that, that came up during the, the 30s, Particularly when it came to violence, you know, that became there was this big belief that there's already there was already too much sex. Mm-hmm. There had been some there had even been some topless moments in like large dance sequences. There'd already been, you know, the the famous Betty Boop cartoon where her the lay that she has around her top moves and if you freeze frame it on just the right frame you can see Betty Boop's nipples. <laughs> you know, I mean there are there's already been some of that that was going on, but there was this big push, Father Coughlin in in Los Angeles, and and this idea of passing through these you know these leagues of decency in different communities. Hollywood attempted to quote unquote clean up its act, and television inherited that. But okay. it wasn't from the FCC. The FCC didn't say you cannot picture you know two people in bed. You know that, that just that hadn't happened. We will be right back more with Ian Punnett right after this Tom Bernard show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first My Pillow. If you already know how great the My Pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back on the Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Punnett, our special guest. Uh, we're talking about uh, indecency regulations. Now, the word is, and this was from a few years ago, um, that, that I don't know if it was supposed to have been Howard Stern or somebody 
dropped the F-bomb on the air and he was fined a quarter of a million dollars for doing that. Is that true? Oh, the $325,000 mark. Oh, is that what it was? was $325,000? mark. Yeah, I don't know whether he got fined that because they could, they could scale that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be... See, this just goes... Well, let me back up one other second. Okay. So, Because that was a really interesting point about television. Okay. So, remember, again, it was the advertisers that yes. were controlling things like the Dick Van Dyke show. Right. And the program... It was just like in the days of radio. Geritol was essentially the program director. They decided what happened in the Geritol hour. Right. They were, you know, they were paying the freight. So, I'd, some of the... A lot of that was all around brand identity and decency, you know, connected to the products. Um, and that doesn't change for a very long time until television becomes so popular, they don't need any one sponsor to sponsor a show. But anyway, so that kind of leads back to what we're talking about in radio, where, you know, there's every, how many sponsors do you have? Um, and what do you got? A hundred? Right. 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 I mean, if one pulled out, okay, that's a bad day, but it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And. And so it was, you know, I think the FCC saw that maybe, too, and they're like, well, they need to, there has to be another governor on this idea of their perception of decency. And and I, I think it's ridiculous, and part of the ridiculousness of it is the word, which falls in, there's three categories, right? There's obscene, indecent, and profane. Now, where do we put those words? How do we slot those words? Profane, obscene, or indecent? It doesn't make any sense. The no, FCC charter no. originally prevented obscene, obscenity, but that was categorized as describing an actual sex act. So you couldn't essentially do porn on the radio. I think we were all good with that. Yes. Right? Yeah. But that's not the same as using the F word. No. That doesn't describe the act. It doesn't get into... And so that be, so is that an indecency or is now... Is that a profanity? Profanity used to be profane, meaning it was objectionable to, you know, it, it, it was it was defamatory to God and to anything that was religious. You know, it was that sort of, that was kind of the idea of profanity. But now it becomes anything that people just don't like is profanity. And so it's all very complicated, and the SEC isn't good with any of it. So they can move a word around, depending on what Howard Stern said. They can move it from one category to another and then find it in that category. Oh, okay. And there's no consistency from the FCC. Anybody who's followed this knows the FCC completely changes its mind as it goes along. And can it can overrule its own rulings and then decide to fine you anyway. And these, these fines were draconian. Not only was it $325,000 a fine, but if it was set on a network, that was carried, say, by a hundred stations. That would be three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars per station Whoa. going to the FCC. How did that now, ever happen? Come on. How is that right? Yeah. How did that ever happen? How did they get the ability to do something like that? And I don't know. Did they ever do it? I don't know. No. Oh, they believe me. Remember this whole thing about. All of the stations that carried the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh God! And originally, yes. originally, yeah, I didn't even have to say which one. <laughs> I just to say the halftime. Right, right, right. So the whole Nipplegate thing was just crazy with the threat. This giant club that the FCC wields as a result of this famous ruling from 1978, which is we're coming up on the 40th anniversary as we speak, and it's so. 
but foundationally change communication and free speech in this country. And I'm not advocating that people run around using the F word. But what was crazy was that even if it happened by accident, even when there was a glimpse, like there was a, a video, a famous shot where uh, there was a picture of a penis that was in the background in a TV shot that they didn't notice when they were doing the editing, mm-hmm. that got fined. You know, anything that anybody could find to take to the FCC was a way for some people to just put a thumb in the eye of their local TV station. That's not what it was supposed to be. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. And and so you made all these broadcasters skittish for what? It doesn't improve free speech. It doesn't get better government. And that's what that's really what the First Amendment is intended to do is allow news people to cover the government accurately. And if the gov- if the people in government use awful language, then the TV stations should be able to broadcast that awful language and go, look what your people are saying. And I don't care who says it. And Local, Democrat, Republican, I don't care. And the FCC's uh, uh, reach is only to uh, public airwaves. Is that correct? Well, not if you ask the FCC. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? I mean, this is a whole other thing. that FCC, Because so many of these companies are intertwined, and you have a lot of these multi-platform broadcasts. Um, the FCC, you know, and this was, a, again, part of this was the industry coming back to the FCC at one point, and they're saying, hey, help us out here. You gotta regulate, if they're regulating us, you gotta regulate them. So now you have this sort of weird thing of the idea of what's a, pay, a subscriber cable station versus a basic cable station, and you know, even if you're paying $8 a month to carry a TV station, they, they, the same rules apply as if it's broadcast. It's, you know, I'll just be honest, it's more complicated than I understand it even. I mean, I'm not here as an authority on the subject that knows everything about it, but I can tell you, just focused on that decision, the reason why we're here is ludicrous. It was one person who, and he didn't even say he was offended, by the way. He just said in a letter to the FCC, taunting them, hey, you know what these people did? They're playing that George Carlin bit, making fun of you. I thought you controlled the radio. And that's that's it. We're here because that ruling went to the Supreme Court and it got decided by one vote wrong. And that's why all of this, none of this makes any sense at all. And Mm. it's all done on the premise of we have to save the children. And I love children. I'm a big children guy. But there is a reason why my kids did not listen you know, to the Tom Bernard broadcast in the morning, even right, right. at a at a certain age, right? Yep. I mean, that just doesn't make good parenting sense. No, you're absolutely and right. So, I don't know. That's fair. Not least when, when they should have been listening to me, but you know, <laughs> well, exactly. if I were to listen to anybody on the radio, they should listen to their dad. But I got to ask a question because no bitterness there. Doctor Basham is in studio. He's a uh, cosmetic surgeon. And I, I, I don't know, I'll backpedal a little bit here because here's something I've never understood. First of all, uh, as far as, as the halftime show, the, the Nipplegate uh, halftime show, uh, I've never understood about that. And I was talking to Mr. Skin, who's got a site. That, it's a nudity site. That's what it, It's not pornographic. It's a nudity sure. site, right? Right, right. I don't understand. Right. If you can stand there, uh, certainly as a full-grown adult, or even a teenager or whatever, you could look in the mirror and see a nipple that looks exactly like the one that they showed on television. Why is that? Well, mine aren't big... pierced, but well, I'm with you. Mine aren't either. To the point of... 
<laughs> mine aren't either. I don't have a little sun around mine, but I, I'm with you. Go ahead. I, I don't understand why pe- people get so... First of all, I don't understand why people get so excited when they go, oh, my God, did you see that woman's nipple? Yeah, it looks exactly like every other woman's nipple. You know, some are pink right. and some are, some are black and some are di- – there are different colors. There are different hues. Uh, there are dark nipples. There are light nipples right. or the rest of it. It looks like a nipple. Men have smaller nipples, but it looks exactly like a woman's nipple. What is the big deal here? And, and, if, there's, right. and if there's a man – Well, and this goes, again, to what the difference – an art for statues. Yeah. Um, what was that? I'm sorry. If, and if a, if a man has a breast as big as some women, why are his nipples being able to show be able to be shown on TV, whether a woman's nipples or not? So you could you could take two chests, right. two chests, exact same size breasts, put them on the on the TV. What's the FCC going to do? That one could be a man, one could be a woman. They could be both men. <laughs> I mean, right. It, it, so so if, if it's a man. You can have it on TV, but if it's a woman, oh boy, that's that's a terrible thing. You're all going to go well, insane or go blind. Right, right. And so this comes back again, really, in a very gender-specific way against women. And in a way, this is a lot of what the this was a very confusing response to it too. Is a lot of women were saying, "What's the big deal? Get over it." But other women were saying, "Oh, she's being sexualized." And I think a lot of the pushback was about the fact that they planned it. They did it that way oh, on purpose. Yeah. And they yeah. played it off as something, instead of being incidental, it was subversive. And I think this is where a more sober FCC wouldn't have had to go as crazy as it went. And again, it comes back down to the same ruling from 1978 that was still so wrong. And the dissenting opinion predicted all of this. They said, this is, a, this is the, who's going to sort this all out? I mean, and, and the FCC just got more and more powerful, which is what it wanted. And the, the problem with this, too, is if you think about something like, like um, the incidental contact that people have in the news doing a live shot where they're talking and then somebody drives behind and yells the F word and then drives right, on. Right. The person standing with the microphone, they're held responsible for something that somebody else did. And that's wrong. But the FCC has held that up. And so, you know, this is... This is where it got crazy, and and I, I think this is we're still in this place. There has to be a new ruling. The FCC has to reverse itself on Pacifica. They have to do it for broadcasting. I think it would be great if every AM radio station in America was a, a free speech zone. Yeah, no. and there were no because regu- you know what nobody under seven even knows what dialing radio up generally means anyway. <laughs> That's true. If they're listening. They're listening online, uh, and you could make an AM radio station completely exempt, and finally people would have a reason to go back and listen to AM radio. Because? Because it could be just a totally free speech zone. Why yeah. not? Then then yeah. radio would benefit, free speech would benefit, everybody benefits. And that's why I, so many people you know what, are going to podcasts for a free speech that's zone. That's exactly right. Exactly. But see... Bypass the FCC completely. And how many people... This is ludicrous... If, if, if you're going to say, well, they can't say that sort of stuff in the morning on the radio, because we don't want kids saying that, they can go to the, the platform that that very same radio station has where they don't edit their content mm-hmm. and they have nev, you know, net native podcasting on the website, and there's no filter that blocks out kids under 12 
right? There's nothing that says you can't listen to it. So the FCC's ruling has become completely irrelevant. Kids can listen to whatever they want, and they do. And the fact that we've got this prohibition on broadcasting, it just makes everybody into five-year-olds, and it's dumb. You know, I'll tell you something. It's interesting uh, to me that for, for the past six years, for six years now, I've been traveling to Atlanta to talk to people in Cumulus and, and the Citadel before that, and, and I've, I've talked at radio conventions about this. If AM radio were smart, they would put podcasts on, they'd broadcast them all over the United States, unedited and uncensored. Yep. I, I've, yep. been tra- I've been trying to tell people that for six years, Ian. Yep. Put podcasting on AM radio. You'll bring it back. You're exactly right. They will bring You're AM exactly radio back. Right. I don't know why they won't do it. I guess the FC, well, the FCC won't let them do it. They'll get fined and they'll hand them their ass. I mean, is that the big problem well, that's here? That's the point. Yeah, and what? And you can't. I mean, hell, a lot of these AM stations don't, aren't even making three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year. No, so they can't afford them, right? No. They can't afford a fine. So, I think another thing you, know, you have to consider is you have to consider how. Will someone ruin it for everyone else? Because someone <laughs> always ruins it for yeah, everyone else. True. And in this case, they would ruin it by blasting whatever they wanted out their window, and whoever they yeah. drove by would have to hear it. So true. they wait, would wait, have wait. to. Well, what stops them from doing it now on a CD player? They on a tape player. they have Nothing. laws against that Nothing. kind of thing. But I don't right. think those they laws have... apply to radio, so they would have to pass but those that... laws. No, no, no. You're talking about nuisance laws of somebody blasting obscenities driving through a community. Fine. I'm great with that. You want to know what's really crazy about this? And pardon me because this gets me all worked up. Is that (laughs) the FCC styled themselves, and they even said it in the famous Pacifica ruling. They were styling themselves as, as like the vice police that used to go into nightclubs and arrest Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Now, is there a more shameful period in our local sheriff's history than sheriffs going undercover to arrest Lenny Bruce at one o'clock in the morning at a nightclub? And, you know, they did it on the morals values thing where they were coming in to save the community from Lenny Bruce. Right. Well, that's what the FCC saw themselves as doing. That's not their job. Ian, uh, right? we, the, so, the show is coming to an end. We got to have you back next week. The... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, it's just that the show comes to an end right here. So I'm gonna it's have my to, boy. We're going to have to have you on again <laughs> next week, Ian. Does that work for you? For me? Yeah, you want to come back oh, next yeah. week? I'd love it. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll just keep dragging it out till you get sick of me. I'm never going to get sick of you. Ian Punnett, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you later. Tom Bernard Show. 